Welcome to the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. This podcast was created as a way to provide education and connection to the women of Middle Tennessee. My goal is to connect you with local women's health and fitness providers so you know what services are available in your area. I am your host, Amy Bailey. I'm a local women's health physical therapist, yoga instructor, and life coach. Thank you for joining the podcast and being a part of this amazing community. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Nashville Women's Health Podcast. It's your host, Amy Bailey, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Nate Feathers with Dads Don't Babysit. Hey, Nate. Hey, how are you? I'm doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Yay. So I'm really excited to bring Nate on. He's one of my oldest friends. Um, so it's really cool when I have friends in the industry that are doing pretty spectacular things. So <laughs> Nate, just kind of give us a rundown about you and what you're all about, and then we'll just dive in. Yeah, I know. It sounds good. Um, yeah. Like you said, I'm at dads don't babysit on uh, Instagram. Um, that kind of just exploded over the past year as, uh, as I started posting more about my thoughts on fatherhood. Um, that has, it's been a whirlwind in that sense. Um, I've had the chance to talk to a lot of new, like fun, like just have some great experiences and things like that as a result of that. But a lot of that came from my own experience. I, I sat down after taking the oldest to college and thought to myself, um, there was a part that was like, almost like that, how your life flashes before your eyes. Only I had like the history with my son flash before my eyes. And I just kept going, yeah, I could have done that better. Ah, I could have done that better. And lucky for me, I have four more kids at home. And so that's one of those things where uh, I look at that and go, man, I really missed out on this one, but I, I got to change what I do because I don't want to do that again. Um, and so, you know, going through some things with the oldest, just saying, you know, apologizing for my inexperience and my lack of knowledge and all of those things that were being a, a dad. He was the first one. I, I remember one time I said, dude, you're the first kid. You're like the guinea pig. I'm just throwing stuff, hoping it sticks to the wall. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and that's not really the way to ride through life. <laughs> but, no, but I think it's so true for most of us with the first one, right? Right. Yeah, totally. It's totally we're not true. Ready. They just yeah. send us home with these kids and then they're like, good luck. Yeah, right. Wait, you guys are the professionals. Just let me get into a car with a ch another human that just got here. You want me to just do whatever? Shouldn't you they, help us? Like, <laughs> they teach us how to parent and how not to parent. And right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I started sharing about that, a little bit about that regret, but the whole point of that was not so much that I just wanted to share my regret, but I also wanted to share what I was learning and how I was changing because the number one thing for me is that I didn't, I did not want, I don't want any other dad to come to that point of his life where his son or daughter leaves for college and he goes, man, I could have done that better. You know, like, I don't want that. I, I like it, it crushes my heart to even think of that for any of the others. And so, um, you know, and I find that there's a, there's a pain from, from the oldest. Cause I'm like, that doesn't, you don't get that back. You know, like you, you can lose all your money and, and earn money back, but you cannot earn time back. And we get 18 years, give or, you know, not give or take, but maybe you have some more because they come back home for, from college or they stay with you while they, you know, figure their stuff out. But, you know, I just, I don't want any dad to, to sit on the front porch of his house after he drops his son off at school or his daughter off at school and say, I could have done that better. Not when I have the ability to at least share my experience. And so that started and um, yeah, it just kind of exploded from there. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of been the, the journey, at least for dads don't babysit. And I've been, I've been enjoying the ride, honestly, in the sense of just 
reading more books. You know, like you said, we don't get a, a manual, but the truth is there's tons of parenting books out there. Speaking from a, a, a dad's perspective specifically, at 24, I was probably too cocky to assume that I needed to read books on parenting. You know, I was too busy yeah. reading something else. But uh, now I'm like, yeah, any parenting book I can get my hands on, let me let me learn something new for sure. Yeah. So what was different with Zeke then? Zeke and then your second Amelia. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, surely we are parents the way maybe we were parented or what we expected in society based on what was going on around us. Absolutely. Yeah. And I actually call that the default programming. I think that we absolutely, if we do not if we do not make a decision and then hold that decision and learn new ways of doing things, when it comes to parenting, we will, we will default to how we were parented. I think that that's, I think that's spot on to exactly how it works. It's just the, like I call it the default programming. Um, it's just in your subconscious. I was really laid back, like completely laid back as, as a, just a, just as a dude. The moment Zeke was born, I don't know what switched, but I got more frustrated about things specifically dealing with him or like the babyhood, however you want to call that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like within weeks of him being born, I uh, and I told this in a real one time, I actually pretended like it wasn't me. I said, like, I knew this guy. But um, within weeks of him being born, middle of the night, I, uh, I'm trying to feed him and get him to go back to bed. It's like two in the morning. He's not having it. And I'm stressing and I don't know this about babies, but they feel your energy just like normal humans, but then they don't know what to do with that. And he could feel my frustration. So he's scared or frustrated. He's, he's mirroring that it's just building, building, building. And, uh, I set him down ever so gently. And then I just pushed my fist straight through a closet door. Like I, and I'm like, who is that guy? Like what just happened? I've never done that. Where did that come from? And it was just a lot of like, I think it was just the buildup of a lot of frustration and not knowing what to do. Yeah. You know, you hear horror stories of someone who doesn't have the wherewithal to set the baby down and, and do something else. But, you know, like that's kind of how I and I, I like my my parents that I know of didn't do that kind of stuff. But I turned into this totally different human being. And then I became this really strict as Zeke got older. I got really I was really strict about things like you're supposed to do exactly what I say and you don't get a say in it. And I'm going, oh my gosh, the older I've gotten, the more I go, oh, that was my dad. My dad did that exact thing. Mm -hmm. And so I defaulted to the way that I was parented to the point where I literally would just, he'd be trying to talk and I would cut him off. And you want to know the number one thing I hated about being a kid when I couldn't, when I couldn't talk because my dad just said, no, that's the end of the conversation. And then that, like, that was it. That's the number one thing that drove me out of my mind. Like those, you know, I'm running away. I was one of those kids that I had a good, I had a good upbringing. Really, truly I did, but I still had those moments where I'm like, I'm going to run away. I could just open this window and run off, you know, that kind of thing. Those were the moments was when my dad and I were, whatever was going on and my dad was right and I was wrong. And now I had to shut up. Oh my gosh, just talk about rage. And here I am doing it to them. I've I've done it to probably all of them, shutting them off and not letting them talk. And so, uh, you know, I look at that and go, that's that default setting. I just went right back to factory installed. And unless you make that choice as a specifically, I talk to dads and because I feel like I'm not alone in how I was parented or how I think about parenting. So I specifically speak to dads on that stuff. Like, unless you choose to not do that, you will do that, whether you like it or not, because you'll just default to what you used to do. Yeah. And I think that was the message of our generation back then. The parents were, it's all about respect. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what the parents say. You sit there, you be quiet. 
You know, yeah. my mom used to say to me, um, I brought you into this world. I can take you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, my dad's my dad's number one thing. Um, my dad was a pastor. And so we would go visiting uh, like what we called the shut ins at that time. And so we'd go to uh, nursing homes. So we're talking I'm five years old and you're taking me into basically a hospital room with an old person. Mm. I have, like kids don't five year olds don't know how to handle that situation. I'm going to be a five year old. So I'm probably going to be getting into stuff. There was one time I've, I've never told this story before. There was one time. <laughs> This lady, we were visiting one woman, but she had a roommate and the roommate didn't have any teeth. She had dentures, but they were not in, right? Okay. So she's sitting there like grabbing my brother's shirt and like pulling on him and like grunt, what, I don't even know. We're both like, what is happening? Dad, fix this. Like what's, and my brother looks over, sees her teeth, grabs them and hands them to her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like I think about that situation. I'm like, you put us in that situation. That was exactly what's going to happen. I'm surprised I didn't grab the teeth and go like, rah, 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 or right. something, because I was five or six years old at the time. Yeah. So dad's number one statement when it come to, came to all that is um, children are to be seen and not heard. And mm -hmm. that is I, I love my dad and his upbringing that like that makes total sense to them because that's how they were tr like treated and all that. Yeah. When I think about that statement, I'm like, that is, that is ludicrous to think yeah. that a four, five, six, even 10 year old kid is just going to sit there quietly while you do whatever it is you're going to do for however long you're going to do it. I mean, give them two minutes. They're going to be antsy and needing to go somewhere or do something. Right. Especially boys. And he had two boys. So he, there was no getting out of that. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 But yeah, to be seen and not heard was like a big thing. And I'm just like, that's, that's insanity. Like, there's yeah. no way I don't, I don't, at this point, I'm the, I'm the guy on the plane, you know, and like when you fly and everybody freaks out about having to sit next to like people with kids. Mm -hmm. And what I'm now is that that'll happen. And someone will sit next to you and they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, you, you yeah. that's a human. You have a kid. Like right. anybody's going to give you crap. I'm going to stand up for you. Don't you worry about it because yeah. that's a, like you're flying with your child. In fact, that's more stressful. And if Joe Blow behind us can't handle a kid that's crying, well, maybe he should grow up, you know? Right. And so it's kind yeah. of yeah, it's so true. completely away from the way I was raised in that sense. Yeah. But it's so true. And it's so sad. Like if we truly listen to children, like they have the purest hearts and they're so creative, like we are missing out. Yeah. Totally true. Just and the truth is, I I, I, I I push this with dads again because we want to say do what I say, not and and not and maybe don't add the whole do what I say, not what I do. Mm. But we, if you want a kid that's respectful, your number one move is to respect that kid. The mm. more respect you show your children as they grow up, and is and you're like basically filling up their subconscious mind inside of that subconscious window is what I call it, basically up to like seven, eight years old. The more you show them respect, the more that they're going to, that's how they're going to treat other people. So we have to, we have to ex exemplify the actions and attitudes that we want in our children because they're learning everything from us more likely from what we're doing and how we're acting and the energy we're putting out even, even more so than the words that we're saying. I mean, way yeah. more so. They can feel that energy. Oh yeah. And oh, it's yeah. giving them self-confidence. So then they can give it back to other people too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You're, yeah, that's totally, that's what it is. They, they have the safe place inside of their home and, and with their parents, they're the safest. And if that is something that we parents, specifically dads foster, then what that will build is like uber confident people. When they step out in the world, the thing that dads are so worried about, I think, is creating 
weak snowflake like mm. children that can't handle the world. And so they're like, well, the world is harsh. Yes, it is. It's absolutely hard and it's difficult. Don't one shove them into that world too soon. And two, what if we gave them all the tools from our, our, our example to be able to step into that world and be so self-confident that it didn't really, it didn't destroy them. Instead, we, we beat them down and then expect them, well, expect them to be hard enough for the world. Well, I just, it just seems so ludicrous and, and counterintuitive to think that way. now that I've kind of come full circle to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you just flip your thinking? I know it was like Zeke going to college, but you had to mm-hmm. kind of repattern everything. Yeah. And, and I, I will say I'm constantly doing that. So I'll, t- I'll say it all the time. I'm like, we shouldn't yell at our kids. That doesn't mean I don't raise my voice because uh, there'll be times where, again, I'm just going to go back to factory reset or I'm, I'm, I'm full on at the end of my rope and, uh, and or, or, you know, fully frustrated. And it's just like, yeah. so that comes out. I'm human. So there's that. Um, or you say it 18 times in a normal voice. Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> that's real. You know, but you know what's funny about that is like we say it over and over again. Like um, Wyatt is my youngest son. And he and I know you know that. But like Wyatt is, he'll be seven here in August. And y- you literally have to repeat it like so many times with him. But the truth is when you think about how we how we as adults affect our subconscious mind, repetition is the mother of all skills so it's like the that's so frustrating to do that but what that does is it really does implant it into the subconscious even for adults we have to have it repeated over and over and over again so it kind of makes sense but it's just not it's not fun in the moment because i mean seriously why it will take you to the end of that rope and then be like mm, i'm gonna shove you a little further <laughs> yeah 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 and they know how to do that too though. Yeah. They know how you know, to do yeah it's totally true <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, how old were your children, the rest of them when Zeke went to college? Because if that was your kind of turning point. Yeah. So uh, Amelia, let's see, he was 18. So that means Amelia was, would have turned 16 just coming after that. And then um, Finley and Wyatt would have been, she went in August. I think he would, I think they would have just either just turned or they were just about to turn six and seven where they are right now. And then, um, and then Luna was two. And okay. so yeah. Or just, yeah, she just turned two when he went to college. And so a lot of that was like, all right, what did I, what did I not like about like what, when I saw my flashback of, of life with Zeke, I was like, what, what did I not like? Okay. Well, I didn't like that. I was frustrated and constantly correcting him or constantly getting frustrated or yelling. Um, I didn't like that. Like I look back and I can still go back to the last time I spanked him and I used to spank and I do not now. And I'm totally like, I'm, I'm definitely a parent that's like, yeah, we could probably get away with not doing that. We can discipline our children without corporal punishment. And so um, uh, I remember the last time I spanked Zeke and I could feel the, like, there was just something about it that when it happened, I hated it. I hated it, but I could feel like in his upsetted cry, almost like the almost like the statement, I hate you coming out of that cry. And, and that's not a, a parent feeling bad. That was literally the energy I got from that cry. Yeah. And I, I remember going back to that. I'm like, okay, I don't want to get there. I don't want to be there. So I'm not going to do it. And making those decisions of I'm going to find another way really is what turned that corner. So, I mean, and truthfully for this, for, for me, I have a big gap between Amelia and Finley and specifically from Zeke to the rest of them. So I kind of get a whole new chance at it, which is again, why I'm like, Hey, if you're a young dad, 
not, I don't mean like follow me, but if you're a young dad, try this, don't do what I did, do what I'm trying to do now. Um, and so I think what it really was, it boiled down to being like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do those things. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to spank. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how to not do those things. And then truthfully, this is going to sound crazy and we can go down this rabbit hole too, is I think that I, I, I got healthier prior to that time frame, but the healthier I wanted to become, the more I thought about not just physical health, but like mental, emotional health. And then it also brought in this whole concept of I am the example. So what kind of example am I setting? You know, like if I can't regulate my own emotions and instead of every time I'm frustrated, I explode or I scream and yell, well, what are they going to see? How? So when it comes time for them to not feel comfortable, are they just going to yell and scream? Probably. And so it just, that just kept coming back in is like, I'm not going to do those things. Oh, you're the example. And like bringing all that together really is what started to turn that corner for me. And uh, it's yeah. been interesting to see my, my, my wife, I know, you know, her, obviously she's a good friend of yours, but um, she actually said she could see it specifically in Finley as that change started to occur. And that's been, that's been awesome. And I've noticed my relationship specifically with him turn a corner. Not that it was bad. Again, like I grew up having a pretty good relationship with my dad too, right. but, but I just see it turning a corner where he and I connect so much more. And the more I read now, the more I'm like, yeah, this has got to be it. I'll be honest. Um, why wouldn't I be? But <laughs> I would say that uh, when I, I posted a vi- I posted a reel and it, that's what started the process. And, uh, and then I was, I was, I was actually putting up Christmas lights and I had this thought about spare the rod, spoil the child. Cause I grew up in the church. That's a, a from the wisdom literature in the, in the Bible. And uh, I, I was like, I, you know, I know some things about that. I'm going to look into that. And I looked into it and I'm like, yeah, like that's not like spank the kid because if you don't, they're going to be a spoiled brat. That rod was used to guide the sheep, but it was used to beat back predators. So the concept in my head from that moment was if you don't protect your children from things that want to hurt them, they will be spoiled. Right. And so when I had that thought, I posted that. And man, did I get some feedback? Like I got some like major uh, pushback on that, especially yeah. from dudes. And honestly, that was the indicator to me that I was on the right track. The yeah. amount of pushback that I got from that, where people specifically guys were like, you're the reason that there's snowflakes. And when I got that kind of pushback, I was like, I'm onto something here because the majority of people are actually going against this. And I, I need to go walk down that path further. And it just started, it snowballed from there. Yeah. You like dug your feet in at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I love what you're saying just about you getting healthier and how that changed your way of thinking. Uh, And I definitely want to dive into like your physical health and how that's Mm -hmm. impacted your parenting. But I think that just breaks those generational patterns because we start understanding ourselves better, which helps us understand other people better. And then we start thinking for ourselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I I, I can say that I, I started my health journey few years back. Um, but as it goes, I mean, you start with your physical health, right? You're, you know, I'm leaning over trying to tie my shoes or put my socks on and I can't breathe because I'm, my fat rolls are smashing all my organs in there. And, and I'm, that's not a joke. That's literally where I was. Uh, I, I need to stop you because our audience is going to have a very unfair, 
image of you because I've known you a long time. <laughs> I don't think you ever had fat rolls. You well, were trying to box and all this other stuff many, many years ago. <laughs> yeah, this was in between. That was in that in between time between fighting and and getting <laughs> getting back into getting healthy. But there was yeah, no literally a leaning over. What and I'll say this: I wasn't obese, like I wasn't horribly, like morbidly obese, but I was fat enough that when I leaned down to tie my shoes on the steps one time, I had to hold my breath, and it was so annoying. I was sitting there going, "You have got to be kidding me! I am not that big. What is going on?" But that started me down that path, getting my gut right, getting uh, getting stronger, learning more. Just it made me start to study more. So tell me more about this gut health thing. Like, how do I get that? in check and what's that going to do for me and then as i did that you know i'm starting to put more muscle on and i'm starting to be more active but what i noticed it also made me more interact more with my children because i wasn't as tired anymore and so i had more energy to use things like that but as you go through learning about that i have literally read stories about people who who were going through a health journey, they lost some weight, but they couldn't lose a certain amount or they were really struggling to lose weight. And, you know, some had come off, but it, they still felt like they weren't getting anywhere. And then, then they came across this like epiphany where they're like, I need to forgive my mom for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And they let go and they forgave. And then, and I'm getting chills about it. They, they let go, they forgave. And then all of a sudden, all this weight comes off, almost like it was trying to protect them from themselves. And so there's so much more to your physical health than mm -hmm. just working out and eating right, like forgiving people in your life that you need to forgive can totally, like, I know I sound crazy, could totally make you lose more weight and get you to the health you want to be in simply because you're letting go of stuff and you're finally releasing the thing that the weight is there for, the protection. It's just crazy how that works. And, um, and so as I did that, it was like, I'm more of, this is more of me being an example to my children physically emotionally and as that went as that as i get further down that line i'm like i need i'm a nerd so i need to learn more and i need to understand more about that and and those things just start i start implementing those into my life so that i can be the best example to my kids that i can be and honestly that's uh, my health journey is what made my fatherhood better and then realizing i didn't want to be the father that i was originally just took it to another level and so here we are just, you know, learning every day and screwing up and asking for forgiveness. I mean, I yelled at the boys the other night and got them to bed, they, like whatever. And, and like, it was not cool. Like it was definitely not cool. And I was really mad. Next morning I walk out, I, I, they're in the, they're in at the table and I walk in and I get between them both with my face and I'm like, guys, I yelled at you last night. And that was, that was not okay. Like there's never a reason for dad to raise his voice and yell at you and scare you or be mean. Like there's just never a reason for it. Nothing that you can do deserves that. Um, because that's, that's not your fault. That's my inability to regulate myself. And I didn't say it exact, exactly that way, but that's what it is. It's my inability to regulate my emotions when they're pushing me to a point. And, uh, and I needed their forgiveness for that because that wasn't cool. Yeah, you know, it was a, as a dad, we're going to do that, but you got to ask, you got to apologize probably more than you really want to. Well, and they need to see that, that you're human, you make mistakes, and this is how you handle humanness, you apologize, you know, yeah. that's so important to learn too. Yeah, yeah. I, that's, the, that's the beauty of parenting, like all of your mess ups get you to uh, give you an a, opportunity, you're always an example, right? So you're always screwing up and always asking for forgiveness and always fixing, you know, when you realize that I'm so sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean for it to come across that way, or I wasn't thinking that way. And, or I, I didn't, I shouldn't have done that. Like they, 
they hear that and they get to they get to learn from that not only the oh this is dad's not perfect mom's not perfect but they also get to learn like oh humans aren't perfect and i can just ask for forgiveness and we can start again or we can start fresh and start anew yeah. i mean the the beauty of that is and as parents, we have to be able to, to take that. And that's really, I think for dads, that's really hard. We got big egos, yeah. really hard to ask for forgiveness, especially to these tiny humans that, you know, I, I don't know, I, for a long time, I don't want to say they were less than, but in my head, well, you're not a full human yet. Yes, you are. They're a full human. I just didn't think that way. And so I saw them as be- below me, beneath me somehow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and coming out of that too is, oh no, they're fully human and they deserve that respect of a, a full human, yeah. just like any others, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So there was a post that you made that just blew up Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Tell us about that. Yeah. So, uh, I, it's, I read this study on microchimerism again, I'm a total nerd. So this stuff just gets in my head. I'm like, I gotta learn more about it. And what that is, is there were these, there were these, it was posthumous, but these women where they did some studies and they were pulling tissue from their brain and they found male DNA in a mother's brain. So they did a little bit more research and they found that that was from their sons. And so the, the concept of this microchimerism is when the baby is in utero and its mom and his mother, boy or girl, they they're finding more and more that like the baby needs to protect its home. So sometimes women will have issues that the baby's t-cells will go out into her body to help fix and that just oh that stuff gets me hyped i'm like that's amazing you can't tell me that was like that wasn't designed it's so it's so cool um and so i i actually i was talking with meg about that and i just said you know it's kind of funny this kind of tells me why you get so mad when i'm frustrated with the kids like i'm i i raise my voice to them and you're like don't you do that the, i'm bringing out the bear comes yeah. out <laughs> I'm bringing out the mama bear because I'm literally attacking, like I'm attacking something that has connection to her, not just emotionally, literally cellularly connected to her. And I don't mean like, oh yeah, she has, you know, my kids have her DNA. I mean that when I'm yelling, like when I'm yelling at a kid, the cells in his body also are cells in the mama's body. It's like, I'm yelling at her. It may not have anything to do with her, but in her mind, it has everything to do with her. And that's literally what I said. It has everything to do with her because it's like she feels that feel on a cellular level that I don't get. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I that's actually a post that that got shared all over the place. Um, I was actually I was putting Christmas lights up. It's a business I have. I know you know that, but um, is uh, and I had my notifications on for Instagram, and I did not know what was happening. My phone <laughs> was buzzing so much, like people were liking it and commenting or sharing it. And so like, I'm going up the ladder and one of the guys is like, dude, is that your phone? Like what is happening? And I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. It's just over and over and over, just buzz, buzz, buzz. And so, uh, yeah, it blew up there. And then I think somebody shared it on TikTok. You actually tagged me in it actually. They, yeah, they I saw somebody it. I didn't know share you, but not tag you. I was like, wait a minute, that's my friend. You're not tagging yeah, right? me. <laughs> and I think that, that one got like 2 million views on TikTok. Um, I think it's sitting at somewhere on the 18 million views on Instagram. And that's really what it just catapulted the whole, yeah. it catapulted the whole dads don't babysit thing. Um, and then as that happened, like more and more people have shared it. It's been fun to connect with some. Like I, I saw my, um, my, my daughter was like, oh my gosh, this person's following you. And I was like, I don't even know who that is. And she's like, oh, this, this, you know, like, oh, she's yeah. this famous girl or like whatever. And I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, um, 
honestly, I just, I, I love that because it's, it's more opportunity to connect with people and affect their lives and, and however I can. And yeah. so, uh, and if they share my stuff, then, then I have the opportunity to continue to do that. I love that about social media, actually. That, that's been one of the fun things. Yeah. But yeah. That, yeah. When you got on social media, you were more health focused. You're a CrossFit coach in right. nutrition and everything. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden your whole path switched and this is kind of where you're meant to fall right now, you know? Yeah, no, I really feel like I've looked at Meg and I've said, uh, I'm made to do this. Like I've, I've always felt made to do like to, to teach and to lead. Um, I have like a, a vision in my mind where I've seen like crowds of people and it's never been a, a, a it's never been a, a arrogant thing. It's always just been like, I don't know. That's just what I see in my head affecting the lives of people and, and helping them see what I see. And hopefully it changes their viewpoint and helps them. And, uh, and Instagram has, has done that. And that's been really cool. Um, yeah. it's been really cool to be a part of like to do it and, and see how that's affected people around me. You know, I get, I get Instagram, I get DMS where people are like, uh, you know, um, I, I, my favorites are the the dads that are like, I'm going to be, I'm a four week old dad. I love that. Like that I've gotten that comment, like in a, in a DM. And I love that concept. They're like, I'm only four weeks old. I'm like, yeah. And you got like, you got tons of learning. Like it's scary. Cause that's true. I'm a four week old dad. Oh my yes. gosh. What do I do? You know, just like going home with the baby in your car, you put him in the car seat and all that. You're freaking out. Yeah. Um, I love that. That's I've, I've sat and read DMS that have like, I've looked at my wife, it'll make me tear up now cause I'm all emotional and whatnot. But, uh, like it makes me, it makes me tear up and cry. I'm like, I'm, I'm having the impact on the lives of, of men around me, of men that are not even close to me. Um, but I'm also getting to have that, they get to have that impact on their kids mm. and that's just, oh, that it just, it hits me right in my soul because I'm, I'm made for that. And yeah. That's a legacy. You're affecting generations to come, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the hope. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to some of the things you were talking about just emotionally. Um, mm. There were a couple of the body keeps score is a book that just like has such an impact on my life, you know, and yeah. you're talking about that, how it just, you have to change fundamentally emotionally in order to change everything else. And that we just hold all that stuff in our tissues. There's another book recently that um, someone gave me from young Pueblo. And it says that our emotions sink in our tissues. Mm. And that just, that word sink hit me so hard. And it's so hard to get all those emotions out of our bodies. Sometimes we can't just talk them out. We have to physically get them out, but you know, mm. we have to create the change in order to do that. And yeah, I think absolutely. that's what you're doing. This whole path has, you're trying to get some of those old patterns out of your tissue even and yeah. repattern to make I, lo I love that you say that. And I haven't, I haven't heard it exact. I mean, I've heard the body keeps score. I think we've talked about that, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I think uh, my family's Irish and they say the Irish, you're just supposed to stuff it down until you die. Wow. But it will kill you. Like that's that's the thing. that stuff will, it will destroy you from the inside out. You have to yeah. let it out to a level where I heard a, I heard a psychologist, um, I think he's called the, like the badass therapist on TikTok. I really like him. Like he's a beastly looking dude. And then I just really like his name, but he's got great stuff. And he said, uh, he said something about letting, like when your kids are crying or when you cry, like to, to actually let it out. I have a hard, I, usually what happens is when I cry, like I just feel like the tears well up and maybe a couple come out and I don't know if I suck it back or whatever, but I have this emotional stop. And then maybe a ton of guys do that. But with kids, you know, and they're screaming and they're crying and they're in pain. And you're like, it's not, it's a baby gash. Like what's going on? Um, but what he suggested was to like, let them cry. And so I started doing that where I just, I'll hold them 
and I'll just say, yeah, cry it out. And, and when they stop, I'll say to them, do you need to keep going? Do you need to keep crying? You cry until it's done. You cry until you're yep. done. And uh, there's two things that happen there. I really do think that they let that out of their body. Like they're they're getting rid of it. Otherwise, they'd be packing it into, like you said, packing it into their tissues or, or letting yep. it sink into their tissues. But the other side of that is I've learned that when I do that, they stop crying faster. Like mm -hmm. they just, and I'm, that's not what I want. I just, I just noticed that they, they tend they don't to have to drag it out. Yeah. They're not needing, the, they're getting the attention they need and the love. They feel that love and that safety. And I don't like, I don't sit there like, yeah, cried out, man, cried out. Like I li right. like they get my full attention and I, I'm like calm saying you, you cry as much as you need. It's okay. Cry. Yeah. You cry. It's okay. And when they're done and they look at me, I'm like, are you, are you okay? Do you need, do you need to cry more? And yeah. almost every time they'll say, no, I, I'm okay. And then, and then it's done. It's crazy how that works. Yeah. You, yeah. you got to let it out. And no, it's we true. were told, stop it, right? We were told, stop crying, stop crying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a statement that's come up a lot lately in my life, and it's, you got to feel it to heal it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us do. I don't know if it's generational. I always say it's because I'm a cancer. I just hide in my shell, stuff it all in, you know. But you yeah, <laughs> if you don't feel it, you're never going to address whatever those emotions are. And it's the same mm -hmm. with children, you know? Yeah. 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 No, I totally get that. You know, I don't, uh, I'll say this. Uh, I'm, I'm probably more emotional than your average guy. Like I'm more willing to like cry, even though my kids are like, Oh, dad never cries. And that's because they don't see me. Cause it's usually when I'm watching them do something, I'm like, Oh, I love you so much. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing. But, um, but I think that's where a lot of guys, this whole concept of like, I was on a podcast with some, with a friend and he's like, yeah, you know, you've heard like, like men aren't supposed to cry. That's a woman's emotion. And I'm going, that's insanity. That's, no, that's a human emotion. Right. We're, we're human. It's cool. You, you like, let we all feel pain and sadness. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, that's again, another example to my kids. I want my boys specifically to know, no, like they, they see me as like not superhuman, but they think I can do anything. Mm -hmm. So if they see me cry, they're like, Oh, that's dad does that. That's okay. Like I can do that. I can do that. This is, this is something dad does. So I'm, I'm okay with doing that. And I mean, dad's, Dads need to hear that. They need to be okay with feeling it and healing it and however they are going to feel it. I mean, I don't mean sit in it and wallow in it, but right. feel it, go through it and and come out on the other side. Yeah. And not only are you a not only are you a better human for it, you're probably healthier. And you are also the example to your kids that they need to they need to see. Yeah. What is it that we were talking about before the podcast, your garden analogy? Because I think this kind of relates to it, like being soft inside the home, but Oh yeah. Yeah. That's really, yeah. No, I talk about, uh, it's, it's from Jordan Peterson. He talks about, uh, he talks about it's better to be a, a, a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war and the concept there. And again, it comes back to dealing with dads and them wanting their kids to be ready for the harsh realities of the world and all of that. And so they feel like they have to be tough on specifically tough on their boys. And, uh, and I look at it like that's so counterintuitive because they need to be built confidence. And then when they go out into the world, they can handle that. If you are a warrior and you're in a war, you need your sword to fight. And we're talking, you know, old school concept of, uh, I, I don't know why, but I see a samurai in my head. I, I'm not okay. even Japanese. I don't understand, but <laughs> that's what I see in my head. Um, but you know, the other side of that is you don't need a sword inside of a garden. You need the garden tools. You have to be more gentle and more careful. And so the big thing that dads are afraid of is, is making weak sons. And my thought process here is uh, you can be a savage, 
like you can be the guy that can wield a sword or fight or hurt, like whatever it is that you need to be that is, a, is manly and masculine, that strength and that power, like that's necessary and it's needed. And they're going to see that in some way, shape or form, but your home and your children and your family, that's your garden. You don't, you don't do that with them because they need to see how powerful you are. Um, and yet how gentle you can be, mm. um, you know, like scripture, like where I grew up again, I grew up in the church and I did a lot of studying in, in Judaism and traditions and stuff like that. And the word that, the word that, uh, that comes across is meekness. And I always understood that as strength under power. And I had a friend tell me one time that the concept there was you could be the, the strongest warrior when he did not, when, when insulted or when pushed to fight sheathed his sword instead that is that's the definition of meekness he has the ability to kill all the other warriors around him and yet does not because he has the restraint to do that jordan peterson says that we should be monsters like you should be a monster you really can't be the concept there is that you really can't be a good man and be an impotent man in the sense that you couldn't do something like if if i don't hurt you because i can't that doesn't make me good that Mm. just makes me unable Right. But if I'm the kind of person who is wildly potential of violence and, and to show my strength and yet at the same time go, I don't want to do that. And what you'll find is most guys that know martial arts or that have been to war and have done like things that they didn't want to do, but were like came back. So they've obviously survived. Those are the guys that are most going to be those are the, the guys that are have the highest propensity to say, hey, we could have peace. Right. And yeah. so that whole concept of that outside the house and then. When you come in your house, the, your children never know that about you. They only know that like dad's a teddy bear and he loves me and I'm safe with him. My, like I said, my kids think I can do anything. They think I'm the strongest man alive, which is not true by any means. But uh, they think that because they've seen me move heavy, heavy weights and do hard things in the gym and things like that nature. Um, but they don't feel a fear of me that dad's going to hurt me. They never they don't feel that um, because they have no they have no reason to. Yeah. And they should. Yeah. That's showing wisdom, being able to discriminate the two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So where do you see dads don't babysit going? So uh, I'm working on a couple things right now. Um, I've got a, uh, I'm working on a, a, a website right now to, to offer more content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, dads don't babysit TV will be what that is. That's the first announcement of that. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> um, we'll be on dads don't babysit TV. And then, um, so that, that'll be coming out here. I'd like to see that in August, um, maybe September at the latest. And then, uh, I'm also slowly, but surely working on a book that kind of comes from this whole concept of, uh, us as the example, like the best form of discipline for our children is self-discipline for ourselves. Um, so that's, those are the two majors at the moment. I've got a couple of books in my mind and I've got them written down as a, like concepts, but that's the one I'm really working on right now. Cause I feel like it's the most pertinent to dads at the moment. Yeah. I love that. That Well, where can people find you? I know you're on Instagram. Are you on TikTok too? <laughs> I just started on TikTok. Uh, so some of my older Instagram uh, reels I've posted up there just to, uh, just to kind of see the interaction and and uh, start the process. So I'm actually at dads don't babysit the exact same as I am on Instagram. It's uh, dads underscore don't underscore babysit. Okay. Um, so you can find me there and on TikTok. Um, but mainly it's on Instagram. And if you DM me, uh, it may be a minute, but I usually I usually get back to anybody that DMs uh, just to connect and talk and 
and see what I can do to help. I love it. If you had one piece of advice to offer my listeners, what would it be? Let's see. Um, always, always learn new things. Like always be willing, be humble enough to be a student um, because then, I mean, I guess I don't even need it because always be a student, like be willing to learn. Yeah. Be open. I love that. Thank you so much, Nate. I appreciate you so much. I'd love to have you back on the podcast because I have a feeling my listeners are going to have more questions. Absolutely. I'd love it. Excited to see where this goes. Um, Listeners, please share this with your husbands, your partners, your boyfriends, your brothers, whoever. I think all men need to really hear this message, especially as early as they can. Right, Nate? Like not... And yeah, I've had people reach out that are like, I'm not a dad. I'm like, well, yet. Yeah. I mean, you can only benefit from this stuff and be, I'd rather, I wish I would have had this prior to having kids. Then Zeke would have had a better running. Yeah. He turned out really great though. He yeah. Turned out all right. <laughs> not that he's done. Right. But he's, right? he's a good kid. All right. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to y'all next week.